Are y'all there? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for the opportunity to get to be here today and to fellowship with these people. Father, this congregation, this is your people. And Father, it is so amazing to watch what we got to see last week uh, when we get out of these four walls and we get to serve. Father, I praise you for putting these types of people in this church. It means so much to me to sit here and watch you work through all of these people. Father, I know you love it a lot more than I do. So thank you for putting servants in this church. Uh, Father, I just ask that we continue that. We're in a season right now where we have the opportunity uh, to volunteer and to work with other ministries and other churches. This is a great season for us. Father, I just ask that you continue to give us the courage and the drive to do so. Uh, Father, help myself in leadership uh, to lead the right way to set that example for everybody as well. Uh, Father, today you've given me a message. Uh, you have given me the last sermon on this series of the armor of God. And uh, Father, I just praise you for this series. I've learned a lot through this process. I, I, I feel that your congregation has as well. Uh, but Father, what I'm asking today is uh, that you give me again some boldness to, to finish this off for you, Father. So I am asking in this moment that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, you take my doubt, my anger, my confusion. Father, you throw all of that into the sea and you replace it with your boldness, your peace, and Father, most importantly, your love. I ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. Now. Today is the sixth and final week again uh, on this Armor of God series, so I want to go ahead, we're going to go, we just read 10 through 13, Ephesians chapter 6, I want to read Ephesians chapter 6, 14 through 17, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, verse 16, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take up the helmet of salvation. I left one off, I'm sorry. Can you pull up verse 18? Is that on there anywhere? Sorry, guys. My dyslexia kicked in. Lysdexia. If not, that's okay. Let's move on. Obviously, the next one is the sword of the spirit. That's what we're going to preach on today. This one's important, guys, because it's the only offensive weapon that's mentioned in this arsenal, right? You know, this makes, it reminds me, when I was a kid, uh, I, used to, I used to be a gamer, man. I, I had my Nintendo, I had my Super Nintendo, I had my Sega Genesis, I had my GameCube, had all those things. Who, who had a Super Nintendo in here? Show of hands who had a Super Nintendo. Y'all are showing your age, man. We're getting old. These young people are like, what the crud is a Super Nintendo? All right, it was cool, okay, back in the day. Don't worry. Oh, there's 18. Thank you. Uh, no, that's not it. Get rid of that. I'm sorry. 
Get rid of it. Don't even listen to me. So, so back to my story. So as a gamer, played all these video games. My dad was really big on when the sun was up, you were outside. But when the sun was down, he would allow us to play video games. You know, that was kind of the rule. And there was this game on Super Nintendo. And in my opinion, it's the greatest game ever made. And it was The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past. Anybody know that game? Show of hands who knows that game? Bunch of nerds. But I love y'all, because that's all me, man. But here's the cool thing about that game, man. You know, you would go through this, and it, it, was, like a, it was like a story. And, and it, it took a long time to beat the game and so forth. But everywhere you'd go, you'd defeat some monster or some bad guy, and you'd get a new weapon. And you'd go to the next one, and you'd beat him, and you'd get a new weapon. You'd go to the next one, you'd beat him, get a new weapon. Each time you did it, the weapons got stronger and stronger and stronger, right? Why didn't God do that for us? There is one weapon mentioned in the arsenal of the armor of God, and it is this one. It's the sword of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you all why. It's the only one you need. It's the only one you need. The Greek word for this sword is mahara. Okay? Paul is talking about, he's not talking about a, a long sword, by the way. He's talking about a shorter sword, more like a dagger. Okay, this sword is like nine to... Uh, 11 inches this 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 sword is meant for close battle right like up front you know close battle so it not being a long sword basically what that tells me is is this is what you use when satan's all up in your grill okay you follow that go back to well no because dad gummit i didn't put it on there so i'm just going to walk through this the sword of the spirit. Okay, what we need to realize, I've got it in my notes, look back at the screen and show them this verse, but it's not there. This is the spirit's sword. It's not our sword. He allows us to use it, right? We need to get that point across right now. Thank you. Appreciate it. Great job. Good job. All sorts of the shield of faith, salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so the sword of the spirit, again, this is the spirit sword. Um, it allows, he allows us to use it, uh, but without the Holy Spirit, obviously, you're never going to be able to access this weapon. You need to understand that right now. You have to have the Holy Spirit because it is his sword, okay? So many times I see Christians that struggle with this, guys. Um, I see a lot of Christians that are dealing with spiritual warfare. And they're trying to handle it with, with earthly weapons and not spiritual weapons. They try to handle it themselves. And, and guys, Christian words, I need you to understand. The weapons of man will never defeat anything in the spiritual realm. Ever. Let's go look at James 1.20. Now, I gave you that one. I know I gave you that one. <laughs> this is why I have a Bible up here. Y'all flip to James 1.20, please.
James 1.20, for the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You cannot fight spiritual battles, guys. You cannot do it with earthly weapons. You can't do it with anger. Okay? You can't attack Satan with anger. You can't attack him with pride. Guys, that's, that's Satan. That's what he's made up of. That's, that's, you can't defeat Satan at his own game. Y'all feel me there? You have to go at it with the sword of the Spirit. It's the only weapon, again, that you need. Now, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, Paul says that the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, there are three Greek words used for the Word of God throughout the Bible. They all have a different meaning. We're going to look at all three of these words today. The uh, first one is graphe. That's the first one. Graphe is the writings, the 66 books of the Bible, the Word of God in written form. Okay, so graphe is, is, is this right here. This is it. This is graphe, right? I mean, it's, it's the books in here. It's all the words. This is graphe. Everybody say graphe. Graphe. Very good. Y'all are going to speak Greek by the time this is over with today. Number two, Logos. Logos is the message of the writings. It's the message of Graphe. Everybody say Logos. It's kind of cool being able to do that and make y'all say all that at the same time. And then the third and final one is Rhema. Rhema is the utterance or it is the word spoken. Everybody say Rhema. Good job. Okay, keep up with this. The graphe, the book, gives you the logos, the message, but it is the rhema, the utterance of the word that plunges into the hearts of all the demonic forces that attack you. Okay? I want to go look at logos a little bit, just, just for a little while. So let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. My children should know this. We just did this Bible study. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Here in verse 12, the Greek word that is used for the word of God is logos. It's the message, okay? And I need you to notice in verse 12, not only does logos attack your soul, spirit, in your flesh, it also attacks your thoughts. Y'all catch that? Simply put, guys, the message not only attacks what you do, it attacks what you think. I want you to look at the last sentence. The ultimate goal of Logos, the message of the Bible, is to expose inner thoughts and desires. It's to expose the enemy. Because if you know the message, you know what's right and what's wrong. If you come to church and all you get is what you hear, then all you're getting is the graphe. It's just the book. It's the 66 books of the Bible. But when the truth hits you in the mouth and it changes your life, that's when you ran in to Logos, the message 
Does that make more sense now? Y'all follow me? Christian head nods? Love it. The message will change your life, guys. The Logos will change your life. One example of that, some of y'all have heard this story, but before I planted, before God called me to plant the church, uh, I was at a Bible study. We were doing a study on Nehemiah. Okay, Nehemiah in the Old Testament, love Nehemiah, but that story from the beginning is what shook me. I always thought that uh, if there was a problem, if, if there was something going on, as long as we were the ministry Christian warriors and no longer a church, if something was going on, I felt like I had to step in. I had to do something to fix it. I'm a fixer. It's what I like to do. The problem was is a lot of times that wasn't my fight. God didn't open the door for me. I pushed it open because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, right? Like, my heart was in the right place, but I was, I was a dumb Christian, okay? Just going to be honest with you. Nehemiah, his family was still living in Israel. And what, what had happened, he had left. He was living with a king. He was a servant of the king, and he was living in the castle. But he wasn't just a servant He's what you call his cupbearer. He trusted Nehemiah more than anybody. Let him live there. His brother came to see him to tell him that Israel had been, the walls had come down. People had torn the walls down. All the enemies were coming in. They were, they were killing their, their women and children, stealing their food and their money and so forth. And Nehemiah was hurting. He was hurting. He wanted to go back and help his family. But what I love about Nehemiah was right after that, I kept thinking, if that was me, I'm running to go fight. I'm running to go help immediately. Nehemiah taught me a lesson. The message taught me a lesson. It slapped me in the face. And what it taught me was, Nehemiah sat back and it said he prayed for days before he went. Jewish scholars say, and this is Jewish scholars, not biblical, Jewish scholars say that he prayed for three to four months before he left, and he prayed every single day. He was waiting on God to tell him it was time. So when God called me to plant the church, instead of jumping at it, I sat back and I started praying for the right time. And guys, every single week we get confirmation that it was the right time. So again, the Logos, the message from the book is what pierced my heart. It's what taught me this. It changed my life. That's what the message does, okay? Now, once the Logos hits you and you understand the message, now you are ready for the rhema. Okay, this is good stuff. The rhema or spoken word of God is what Paul is talking about when discussing the sword of the Spirit that comes with the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, an example of this is in Matthew chapter 4. We talked about this a few weeks ago when Satan was tempting Jesus. Uh, I want you to look what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 8 through 10. Verses 8 through 9 here is, Next, the devil took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down, and worship me. Verse 10. Look what Jesus says. Get out of here, Satan. For the scripture says you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Okay. Look what Jesus did, guys. He, if Satan's tempting him, he went back 
to the graphe, the book, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. He took the logos, the message from Deuteronomy chapter 6, and then spoke the rhema, the spoken word, from the logos to Satan. Now, that's all in Greek, and that's really confusing. So I'm going to break it down. Jesus took the written word of God, used the message from God, and then stabbed the word of God into Satan's cruel, black, evil heart. Y'all following this now? That's what the sword of the Spirit is. It is the spoken word of God. But if you notice, you've got to get the other two parts of the word of God to get to the sword of the Spirit. You've got to understand them. Jesus is showing us the example of how to destroy the evil one. We are to speak to him, again, with that sword of the Spirit. I want to look at another example of how powerful the spoken word of God is. I want to go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 1. That's the first book in the Bible, by the way, church of Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 3. I want to read those. Now, everybody knows these verses, but I want to point something out that, that, that stuck with me as I was studying for this sermon. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. The darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Real quick, just don't go to the next screen yet. I just want to point something out. People may ask you at some point in time, you know, how long, you know, uh, how long the Holy Spirit has been around and so forth and so on. Well, he was there in the beginning. Okay, he's hovering over the water, surface of the waters. Sorry. Verse, thir- verse 3 now. Okay. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay. We all know that, but I need you to catch this. God didn't think, let there be light. He didn't dream, let there be light. He spoke it. He spoke it, guys. God himself spoke creation. He didn't snap his fingers. He spoke it. To me, God is setting an example right here in the very beginning of the Bible, and I can't believe I never caught it. It's the very first three verses of the Bible. God's showing us, us, his children, okay? If you want things to change in your life, if you want the darkness to go away, if you want things to get better, Speak it. Speak it. God could have easily snapped his fingers and done it. Guys, he's showing us in the first three verses of the Bible to speak his word. No matter the situation that you're in, speak it. If you're attacked, speak it. If you're struggling, speak it. If you have a death in the family, speak it. Constantly speak his word. Because here's the thing, guys. All those negative thoughts and all those negative actions that come into play, it's just Satan attacking you. And Satan has to flee from the name of Jesus Christ. He has to. He's not going to stick around. Speak to him. That brings me to something else. This makes me a little mad, so I'm fixing to get on my, my... yeah, just for a minute, I promise, and I'll get off of it. There's so many people, 
that say that you know, you're not supposed to pay attention to Satan. You're not supposed to, you're not supposed to talk to him. You're supposed to ignore him. Just pretend like he's not there. How's that going? It's my question I got for him. How's that going? Guys, the reason Satan continues to pick on a lot of people, and maybe some of y'all in this room, is because you're not saying it is written. You need to make sure Satan knows you know he's there. Okay? The minute that you start to ignore him, here's what's going to happen. He's going to ignore you. Because if you're ignoring him, you're not, you're not thinking about all of the evil things that are going to come and attack you. He doesn't have to do anything because the world will do it to you. He'll just sit back and watch you. Guys, if Satan, catch this, catch this, okay. If Satan is ignoring you, it's because you're already doing wrong. Y'all feel me? Exactly. He's already got you where he wants you. Guys, he only attacks the ones he's scared of. I had this talk with the family yesterday of Ronnie Haley. They just had a lot going on this year. And that was one of the conversations I had with one of the individuals there in the family. I said, I need you to understand. God's got something for you. God wants to use you because Satan can't stand it. And that's how you have to look at attacks, guys. You have to look at it that way. Honestly, when I get attacked, y'all going to think I'm crazy. I take it as a compliment. I'm doing something right. I've ticked him off some way or another. Amen? Be bold in that. When he hits you, just start laughing at him. I do it all the time. Me and Bojo talk about this. I just start laughing at him. I'm like, I don't know why you keep picking at me. You're not going to win. I don't understand why you keep coming back. And then guess what I do? I speak the word to him. I don't hear him anymore. Now he's going to come back. Just like he did Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, the, the, the end of that verse was he left until another opportune time. And I need you all to understand, if Satan's going to chase the Son of God and come back and keep bothering him and bothering him and bothering him, he's going to come get you. So you need, this is what I need you to understand about the word, the spoken word. Guys, this doesn't mean that you have to memorize the book. We talk about this all the time. You don't have to memorize the book front and back. Find some verses that you know are attacks. Find those, that double-edged sword verse, right? Find that that you know will pierce him. Memorize that one. And here's the thing. Even if it ain't word for word, it's okay. I promise you. It'll work. Find some verses. Memorize them. And stab him with them. I know in the beginning I told you that the sword of the Spirit was the only offensive weapon in the arsenal. But is it really? Some of y'all know this answer, so don't ruin it. Let's go look. This is after verse 17. After it describes all six of them. I'm not going to go back to it, Marilyn. I know I told you I was going to, but I'm not. I'm really trying to confuse you today. Awesome. I just want to pull up Ephesians 6.18. 
Okay, this is after the full armor, the six pieces of armor, right? Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray in the Spirit. We have another weapon. It's called prayer. It's not just the sword of the Spirit. That's all the sword of the Spirit needs. But see, we have to get in contact with the sword of the Spirit. And that's through prayer. Pray in the Spirit, okay? We've got some visitors here today, so I'm not going to freak you out. That is your prayer language with, with God. That is your individual prayer language with God. It's speaking in tongues by yourself. Real quick, because I know we got some visitors. Uh, we do believe in spiritual gifts. We do believe in the gifts of tongues. And we do believe in uh, that being, um, being a major weapon that can be used. However, it has to be done properly. And it has to be done in order. Just want our visitors to know that. If it's not done in order and done properly, the way that book tells us it's supposed to be done, leadership will handle it. Just want y'all to know that. Okay. But what we're talking about here is your prayer language with God, your individual prayer language with God. And this is what it tells us. If, if you go to Romans 8, 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. That's speaking in tongues. Groanings that cannot be expressed in words. See, what I love about praying in the Spirit, and I know a lot of y'all in here have already heard this, but again, some of you haven't. I know we've got some visitors. Some of y'all were here for the sermon that we preached on praying in tongues. But what I love about praying in tongues is when I'm struggling, and I don't even know why I'm struggling. I just feel a heaviness that's on me, right? Who in here, show of hands, who feels a heaviness? Y'all are lying. Come on, show of hands. Like, seriously, who has a heaviness? See, and you don't, by the way, you don't know what it is. You got no clue what's going on. You have no clue why you're weighted down, and you can't just get up. Pray in the Spirit, because He knows. That's the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something's wrong. You have no clue what it is. It could be something going on in the spiritual realm. It could be something going on to one of your friends five blocks down the road. It could be something that's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what it is. But God knows all. The Holy Spirit knows. Prayer language. That's when that comes into play, guys. Very important. Very, very important. I'm not going to spend much more time on that. If y'all do have questions, uh, that sermon was preached probably two or three months ago. If you go on our YouTube page, you can go find uh, the Gift of Tongues and check out that. I highly recommend you do. If, if you haven't, if you didn't hear the sermon, if you don't know a lot about it, I highly recommend you do. I think you'd be blown away with the simplicity of it and also how it's supposed to be done in order. Um, so many churches have abused that. You get a chance, go watch it. Now, okay, praying for others. That's the other thing that we've got here. It's not just, you know, you're not just, I'm sorry, go back to, go back to 618, please, Ephesians 618. So it's not just praying the Spirit. That's praying the Spirit. Then pray for all believers everywhere. 
everywhere. Not just at Christian Warriors Church. Everywhere. That means Heritage, First Baptist, Oasis. Y'all follow me? Not just Christian warriors. Here's what I need y'all to understand. I don't mind saying this. Make them mad, make them mad. I don't agree with, with some of my brothers in some of their thought processes of th this book. Okay? I, I don't agree 100% with probably any of them. I, they don't agree with me 100%. But I pray for them. And they pray for me. Because the one ultimate goal is to get people to salvation, to build God's kingdom, and we all agree on that. I tell you, like right now, me talking about tongues, some of these men, some of my pastor buddies would like run out of here. They'd run. Guys, you, you, you don't have to agree on every single detail. The most important thing Build the kingdom. Let's get on the same page with that. Amen? We are called to have each other's backs, guys. We're supposed to fight for each other. I know that I was just visiting with a gentleman just a minute ago. Don't fight that battle alone. Reach out to me. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to pray. She took it off. You're supposed to pray <laughs> for all Christians everywhere. That is cool, though, that sword right there. That's pretty neat. There it is. Everywhere. Let's quickly review these pieces of armor throughout the series. If you could please pull up the picture of the armor of God. Oh my gosh. Okay, see, at first I thought it was just my eyesight. That's not good. This is blurry, bad blurry. Okay, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness. I can't even tell what that is. Thank you. The belt of truth. And that's the sword of the Spirit. And then I'm guessing that's the shoes of peace. And then prayer. I added prayer up there. Why is that so blurry? What would y'all do on that thing? No idea? I honestly thought, <laughs> what did you say? You created it and not us. <laughs> Just put up anything that's not blurry right now. Like, I don't even care what it is. Just anything. Guys, I apologize. I didn't know they were all like that. So anyway, hopefully y'all could follow along with, without having to read that. I honestly thought it was just my eyesight because I'm blind as a bat. I mean, I really did think that's what it was. Guys, what I need y'all to understand about this armor of God, and we talked about this in the very beginning, okay? There's nothing covering your back. As long as you have on the full armor of God, and you're walking down the path of righteousness, God's path for you, there's no need to have anything on your back. He's got you covered. He's walked ahead of you. He's got it prepared. It is safe. Y'all feel me? It's the minute that we go right and left. Guys, you're going to do it. We're all going to mess up and screw up, right? I think we can all agree with that. Except for maybe Mikey, he's almost perfect. <laughs> Get a drink on that one. 
Guys, here's what I need you to understand. You're going to mess up. I don't need these notes. You're going to mess up. You, you, you're going you're to take off the helmet. You're going to drop the sword. Breastplate's going to fall off. It's going to happen. You're going to expose yourself. Okay? If you don't think you are, you're lying to yourself. Here's the great thing. Much as we screw up, much as we get off track, it's as simple as, God, I'm here. And he'll put it right back on you. But here's what I need you to get. From today and from the last six weeks, and I'm stealing this from Bojo from his first sermon on this. When you get it on, do your best to not take it off. You fight to leave it on. You have to be prepared. Don't get comfortable. Don't get comfortable in spiritual warfare. Do not get comfortable. Be on alert at all times. Because, guys, I'm going to tell you, that sorry sucker will sucker punch you when you least expect it. He'll come up and goose you like, guys, I'm telling you. And that's what he does. He doesn't fight you head on. He doesn't do that. He's going to sneak up on you at some point, somewhere around you. That's what's going to happen. He's going to confuse you. Don't take it off, guys. Get it on and keep it on as long as you can. And the minute that one little piece falls off, get back on track. The stronger you are in your relationship with the Holy Spirit, the quicker you'll know when a piece falls off. That's what it's about. Because again, guys, I need you to understand the walk of a Christian. It's going to happen. You're going to be exposed. Here's the difference between a Christian and a Christian warrior. Christian warrior has a strong relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the minute, the minute that that belt starts to come a little loose, you feel it immediately. Get it on. Get it tight. Because every day is a battle. Amen? I don't know why we said amen to that. But it is. Every day is a battle. Go in there with the full armor of God, guys. Walk boldly with that full armor of God. I want to end with something real quick, and then we're going to call up the team. And this has nothing to do with the armor of God, but this is something that I was, was brought to my attention um, just this past week because I had numerous people that came up to me and said this. I was visiting with a guy the other day, um, moved here about two years ago, um, doesn't have a church home. And through our conversation, he didn't even know I was a pastor. But through our conversation, we started talking about church. And uh, I asked him, I said, well, where do you go to church? He said, I, I don't go anywhere. So, so then I told him I was a pastor and invited him to Christian Warriors Church. He said, man, you know, I've really been wanting to get back into church, but, man, I'm, I'm just not ready yet. I said, what do you mean you're not ready? He said, man, I got some baggage to fix. Got some issues I need to take care of. I said, dude, our church is perfect for you. <laughs> Amen, right? Dang right. <laughs> Guys.
Guys, I know y'all know somebody like that. I know you do. And, and some of you may be sitting in here right now thinking that, you know. There's no better place to bring your baggage than through that dang door. And guess what? We're going to accept you with that baggage. We're going to love on you. Now, we ain't going to let you hang on to it. We're going to teach you. We're going to fight together to where you can get rid of that baggage. But guys, I need y'all to know, if y'all know somebody that way, and I'm, I'm being honest. I invited this guy to our church, but you know what I told him after that? If that church, if our church isn't for you, just go find a dang church. Just get somewhere. And this is why they got to learn stuff like this. This guy's getting beat up, y'all. He's getting dominated by Satan because he has no clue about the armor of God. No idea. Guys, I know you know somebody like that. So here's the thing. I challenge you this week. Now, don't go busting through the door. I challenge you this week to pray. God, this is the individual I know is struggling. I know they need a church home. Open the door for this person. Whether it be me, whether it be somebody else, Father, just open the door to where we can help this person. So I challenge you today to pray for that individual that's on your heart. Can y'all do that for me? Can y'all do that for God? Let's say it ain't me.